took me about four years to to convince Pakistani army officers and bureaucrats and journalists to talk about the creation of Pakistan, but mostly about what happened in 1971, where India got involved, Pakistan was there, and the end of Pakistan kind of thing. Uh, and um, it took me time to convince them that uh, that they, they need to talk about it. And they need to tell the story to their younger generation and stop lying, basically. So they agreed, they talked to me. And when I, when I asked them about 1971, they start talking from 1947. So it's very interesting. First of all, for example, Pakistan has Sindhis, Baluchis, Pathans, Front of Pathans, uh, uh, post uh, Sindhis, Baluchis, Punjabis, and Pathans. These are the major people. But in 47, there were some UP Muslim leaders who migrated to West Pakistan. And their population was, their language and population was about 6%. But they were so powerful, they ruined their national, their languages. Now, national language of Pakistan is Urdu. It's an Indian language. It's based on UP-based language or a little bit of people in Hyderabad, Muslim, they speak the language, but it is a, not a Punjabi language or Sindhi, Baluchi, Pathans language. So they ruined their language. And then the Jinnah, Muhammad Ali Jinnah, who was the leader of Muslim League, he was completely out of track because what happens is he was a very liberal Indian Muslim. Once the Pakistan created, he went in there and uh, uh, he was completely in a different different scenario, how Urdu become the national language of Pakistan, which we oppose, but Pakistanis didn't oppose, accepted that. Yeah, and the reason they accepted that, they consider Urdu is Islamic language. We never consider Urdu as Islamic language. Urdu is a language, it's a very good, beautiful language, but not a, any kind of religious tone with it, so. In early days of Pakistan, the Urdu speaking people from Bihar or Pradesh were in leadership, Liaqat Ali Khan, Muhammad Ali Jinnah, the first governor general of Pakistan, were from India. On behalf of this group, Muhammad Ali Jinnah wanted Urdu should be the only national language of Pakistan. Although only about 5% Pakistanis at that time were speaking Urdu. Let me make it very clear to you. Leave no doubt that the state language of Pakistan is going to be Urdu and no other language. And anyone who tries to mislead you is really the enemy of Pakistan. इस मौके पर कायदेआजम ने मौका इख्तियार किया। पाकिस्तान की ज़बान उर्दू होगी। कायदेआजम को खुद बोलने नहीं आती थी उर्दू। तारिक खान He worked in the Pakistani newspaper before moving into Canada in 2000. Why he was emphasizing on Urdu language? Which he never spoke, he never understood. He was all the time behaving like a brown sahar. Who advised Qaidiyazam to make that announcement in Dhaka? That way back in 1933 or so, it was some committee of Muslim League around Malda or West Bengal, some town, Madnapur, and that committee, working committee, recommended 
that Urdu will be the language of Pakistan. I think the people who mattered were in the Muslim League hierarchy were all Nawabs and or Vaderas or Peers and all that. And they all spoke Urdu. Taif Fatah graduated from University of Karachi in West Pakistan and became a reporter for Karachi Sun in 1970. He was imprisoned twice by the military regime of Pakistan. Fatah is author of several books in Canada. To eliminate the Bengali majority in Pakistan's constituent assembly, it was essential that the Bangla-speaking Muslims, their voice should be cut off, and the people who migrated from India to Karachi, the capital of Pakistan, they should run the affairs. And so they were the people who used Jinnah as a puppet. Jinnah was not a strict Muslim. He never wanted to be a strict Muslim. He never portrayed himself as a strict Muslim. He wanted to be known as a man of the world, an enlightened man a man who enjoyed life. He was not abstemious. Oh, well, he smoked, he drank. He liked all the good things of life. He drank alcohol, he ate pork. He never, ever visited a mosque in his entire life. First time he went to the Delhi's Jami Mosque, some Congress leaders had to tell him, Mr. Jinnah, you have to take off shoes in a mosque. And he said, why? So he, go, he was made to go to East Pakistan. He knew he was dying. And so he gave a speech in English to declare that the language of Pakistan will be Urdu. And that was the end of Pakistan, that very day. In I guess uh, it makes some sense, right? He was a liberal Muslim. He, he went to a place where he was unknown to him. He was a leader of the Muslim League. Actually, originally, he was a leader of Central Committee of Congress till 1924, and then he joined Muslim League. And it was the British who actually suggested him to build up Muslim League and do whatever they wanted, to divide and rule, or whatever the technique they had. So uh, he, was, he was like that. Actually, in, in East Pakistan, which is half of, West, half of Bengal, uh, was... Uh, was a place where people from Bihar used to come here, people from Orisha used to come here, Asham's people are there. So culturally, we are much familiar with Asham culture or West Bengal is the same thing. We are the same as West Bengal. Uh, but uh, connecting with the Pathans and Sindhis and Baluchis was completely unrealistic. So that is what happened when the country was created. So that was the beginning. And then there was, a, uh, there was many things happened, a lot of stuff in the film. Um, technically, uh, they're, they're, they, at that point, uh, main source of income for Pakistan at that time was jute, jute products. So that was the main source. And then that income uh, was discriminated, not used in East Pakistan. That made the Bengalis upset. And uh, Bengalis are looking, they are dark, short, and uh, kind of, you know, I mean, to them, uh, racially, they are inferior. So that was one kind of big, uh, start with, they never connected, never connected with Bengalis. Um, 
so then there was election election happened where majority was bengalis and sheikh mujibur rahman supposed to be the prime minister of pakistan one person one vote there was a fierce election in 23 years history of pakistan sheikh mujibur rahman has landslide victory in east pakistan and become the majority party in the parliament there is some videotapes produced by pakistanis on 1970 election and its results pakistan mein election hue to wo bhi azadi ke 23 saal baad इलेक्शन के बाद मशरकी पाकिस्तान में नुमाइंदा हुकूमत ना बन सके सर पहले तो मुझे बताइए ना अगर 1970 में ये इलेक्शंस होते हैं इंतबात होते हैं मशरकी पाकिस्तान में एक नशिस्तें हैं 160 में मुजीबुर रहमान साहब जीत जाते हैं और दूसरी तरफ जो नशिस्तें हैं एक उसमें 81 में भुट्टो साहब की पार्टी यानी कि पीपल्स पार्टी जीतती है जी तमाम तर जमहूरी नॉर्म्स के मुताबिक इस इलेक्शन के नतीजे में पाकिस्तान का वजी किसको बनना चाहिए था मुजीबुर रहमान को तो अगर किसी की ये ख्वाहिश थी अच्छा नहीं बल्कि और आसान अपने लिए करता हूं मैं क्यों नहीं बना ये उनसे पूछिए जिनके पास इख्तियार था उनसे पूछिए जिनके पास इकतदार था मैंने उन्नीस की पूरी इलेक्शन कंपेन कवर की है भुट्टो और याया खां का गठजोड़ था जर्नैलों के साथ गठजोड़ था भुट्टो चाहते थे कि मुल्क टूट जाए ताकि उन्हें यहाँ का इकतदार मिले या खां भी हवस इकतदार का शिकार था भुट्टो भी इलेक्शन सेवेंटी के बाद जब शेख मुजीबुर रहमान इमर्ज एज द लीडर ऑफ द मेजोरिटी पार्टी इन पाकिस्तान और उसको डिक्लेयर कर दिया था कि यू आर द प्राइम मिनिस्टर ऑफ पाकिस्तान डेजिग्नेट या खान ने किया था उसके बाद इन्होंने वो जो डेट फिक्स की गई थी नेशनल असम्बली की वो डेट अंडर मिस्टर भुट्टोज प्रेशर वो डेट इन्होंने चेंज कर दी एक्चुअली विदाउट कंसल्टिंग शेख मुजीबुर तारिक खान रिकॉल्स अबाउट द अर्ली मार्च प्राइवेट मीटिंग इन 1971 बिटवीन याया खान एंड जुल्फिका अली भुट्टो वेयर द बेसिकली डिसाइडेड द फेट ऑफ बंगाली इन ईस्ट पाकिस्तान भुट्टो इनवाइटेड याया खान एट इज रेजिडेंस इन लाड़काना and yaya khan spent 4 5 days over there and uh, after that uh, bhutto went to east pakistan and had a meeting with uh, mujibur rahman whatever i don't know what he did over there because there was no new wo hai responsible kaun sarbara tha ji ya general yaya khan general yaya khan mujhe bulaya bhutto sahab ne intercontinental ji अब सच बोलने का वक्त आ गया है जी ठीक है अब मजबूर कर रहे हैं मुझे तो मैं सच बोलिए बोलिए अच्छा तो मुझे कहने लगे चार के दस बजे आई होप यूर नॉट स्लीप मैं सोया हुआ था आई स्लीप अर्ली मैंने कहा नहीं जी मैं तो किताब पढ़ रहा हूँ कहने लगे टू कम टू दिन कॉन्फिडेंट आप चले मैं गया जी मैंने कहा किधर मिलो कहते बार में आओ जी ठीक है अच्छा बार में मैं गया तो मुझे कहते हैं कि ये याया ने क्या कर दिया है जी क्या किया उसने कहते हैं ये जो उसने डेट फिक्स कर दिए वो असेंबली के लिए ठीक है जी मुझसे पूछा नहीं है और यूनिलेटरली इसने डेट फिक्स कर दी है ठीक है उसकी अच्छा इसको चेंज करो उन्होंने कहा कि डेट चेंज करवाओ ठीक है मैंने कहा जी डेट कैसे चेंज हो तो बंगाली मान गया है ये यूनिलेटरली कैसे चेंज करवा 
मुझे कहने लगा वेरी इजी ढाका में एक लॉ एंड ऑर्डर सिचुएशन क्रिएट कराओ उसके बाद टीयर गैस होगा लाठीचार्ज होगा उसके बाद फायरिंग होगी फ्यू पीपल विल बी किल्ड It was Punjab's vote, the Urdu-speaking elite, and the generals who said, with Mr. Bhutto in front, and the word they used was either "ham udhatum." Long before any point was made about breakup of Pakistan, it was Mr. Bhutto who said that we are in power here and you are over there. End of story. And that is where the day the National Assembly had to meet, Mr. Bhutto said that anybody who went to Dhaka, I would break his legs. मैं उसकी टांगे तोड़ दूँगा उधर जाएगा. Now, Mr. Wali Khan went there. Mufti Mahmood went there. Uh, members of the Council Muslim League, people have forgotten, they were there. The people who Worked hand in hand with the military and Mr. Bhutto was the Jamaat-e-Islami that had four members of parliament, only four members throughout Pakistan. They were the ones hatching a conspiracy. Chunaache hisbe ekhtilaf mein baithne ke bajaye, Bhutto ne mulk ke dono dhadon ke liye alayda alayda wuzre-e-azam ki tajweez pesh ki aur udhar tum idhar ham ka bayan dekar mutayda Pakistan ki taaboot mein aakhri kiel bhi kaard di. actually you you need to understand one thing which may be hard for indian people to understand that is that we in pakistan from the early stage we had a military uh, rule the largest political party in pakistan is the pakistan army uh present present president also was initially supported back by the army otherwise they he cannot stay in power imran khan is much liberal uh, hopefully something good will happen but the uh, the after the election result came out bhutto started negotiating with the with the uh, others but others means in pakistan is army because uh, he can there was six generals who who is to have the most powerful they have bank they have real estate business they have everything army runs all these business things and they are powerful so he negotiated with the generals and and then convince them finally yaya khan who is a person with a very you know he was he was intermediate he just high school not high school college graduate and he had a problem with alcohol and other stuff he took him to narkana his house in sind and he is a bhutto is a zamindar from sind he convinced him i met the the uh, district commissioner of uh that time who was district commissioner in larkana a pakistani officer punjabi officer and he told me that uh, that when 
Yahya Khan came to Bhutto's house in Larkana to discuss something about political decision of about the Pakistan's future. I said to him, sir, you stay in your guest government, guest house. I can give you protection. But Yahya Khan refused and stayed with Bhutto and his house. And there, in fact, they decided in February, end of February, that election doesn't matter. We will not hand over the power. If that case is Pakistan goes to hell, doesn't matter. So, uh, so this army generals and, and Bhutto decided to do this. Now, uh, but then again, you know, uh, they decided to cancel the election. The Bengalis took to the streets. The situation became so critical that President Yahya himself flew here to Dhaka to meet personally with the Sheikh. The meetings were so private that no member of the press has yet seen or photographed the two men together. Finally, the third protagonist was summoned from Karachi. Ali Bhutto arrived in Dhaka surrounded by machine gun toting bodyguards. The hotel where he stayed became an armed camp cordoned off by the army. The precautions were necessary. In a competition for the most hated man in East Pakistan, Ali Bhutto would win in a walk. Within 24 hours of Bhutto's arrival in Dhaka, President Yahya postponed the National Assembly yet again, this time indefinitely. Tariq Khan was a journalist in 1970 in Karachi, West Pakistan. The office uh, was located very close to uh, railway line which was going to Karachi Port Trust, Karachi Port. And uh, I received information that the Pakistani soldiers are being transported in uh, uh, through the train up to Karachi Port and from there by ship to, the, to East Pakistan. So I went to the railway line and I was standing there and the train was moving very slowly, full of soldiers, guns, and other equipment. And soldiers were, and thousands of soldiers were being transported. So at that time, my one of my fellow journalists was standing with me. I said to him, look at them. These soldiers are like Qurbani ka Bakra. They will never return from East Pakistan. And I wonder, if a person like me, a non-military person, can judge this thing, that they are Qurbani ka Bakra, they are going to East Pakistan, they will never come back. How our generals, our army chiefs, they couldn't realize this thing, that what the hell they are doing. Actually, there was a negotiation uh, in March, before the crackdown, before the killing start, in 25th March between Yahya Khan, Bhutto, and uh, uh, Sheikh Mujibur Rahman. Uh, basically, they were taking time to bring in uh, army and shipping army from West Pakistan to East Pakistan. They were armored, armored car, tank, whatever they had, so they bring in. And then they were, they were tying on, on airlines. India declared that no PIA, Pakistan airlines can fly over India. So 
the flight is to come to see uh, Sri Lanka, Karachi or Lahore to Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka to Dhaka. And they removed all the chairs. The army was coming standing with their personal weapons and weapons were coming every day. Many flights was coming. And in that cost, covering cost was mostly USA and China uh, was providing all kind of support to, to uh, Pakistan at that, to Pakistan government at that time, because you had India supporting Bangladesh and then you had uh, Soviet Union. So, and remember that in, I'm talking about 1971 when there was a uh, cold war was going on. Vietnam was in full-fledged war against stop communism, stop socialism. Uh, that was the whole idea. So uh, it was very, for Americans, it was a very sensitive matter. So they blindly supported, openly supported uh, Pakistan government, military government of Pakistan. Uh, and in the East Pakistan side, this, there was a flag. The students uh, opened, created their own flag and collected weapons, whatever they can, from different sources. And the slogan was Joy Bangla, Jai Hind kind of a slogan. So I say, oh, it's a Hindu slogan, all this stuff. But it, was, it worked as a nationalist slogan for Bengalis. So at that time, then they decided no election, but the big decision they made that, that we will kill them. And General Niazi, who was, a, who was an alcoholic and womanizer, this man to the troops, troops often said that if you win a war, you can, you can take their women away. Uh, so he used to publicly say that you are allowed. And East Pakistan that time had a lot of Hindu families. So when we see attacks, pattern of attacks, we see they attacked uh, Awami leaguers, their supporters, and Hindu families. That was systematically uh, was done by the Pakistan army and Jamaat Islami in East Pakistan at that time. So people got scared and they ran uh, to India and about 10 million, more than 10 million people, they went there. My family went to India in, uh, and got, my friends all got training uh, by the Indian Armed Force to come back as, as to fight back. Lieutenant General Tikka Khan, a Punjabi military officer in the Pakistan Army, who was known for his ruthlessness in attacking minority community members in West Pakistan. He gained absolute power in East Pakistan as a governor, as well as the military administrator. Bangladesh was bought with blood. March 1971, the year of the killing begins. Military action, my sector information was not involved, you see. Mujhe raat ko Associated Press ka correspondent the fun has started. This was done by the ISPR. Again, we were not consulted. Our mouth was open, publicity the international public opinion Pakistani soldiers targeted Bengalis serving in East Pakistan police, East Pakistan rifles, and armed force. They selectively killed Elected MPs belong to Awami League party, party supporters, and university and college students. Soon this operation spread across East Pakistan. Bangladesh में सबसे ज़्यादा जो जाति की है, वो जनरल टिका खाने की है. सारा मैसिकर तो उसी ने किया. तो वहाँ पे 
लोगों बंगालियों की लाशें पड़ी थी गिद्धों को मैंने अपनी आंखों से देखा उनके पेटों से आते खींच के खाते हुए आज भी शर्म से These women were killed after they had been raped by Pakistani soldiers. When their father tried to prevent the rape, he was bayoneted to death. East Bengal becomes a giant graveyard. The ruthlessness that was shown to Bangla national students or left-wing students was the essential belief in the mind of the Urdu-speaking uh, Indian Pakistani Muslim contempt for the Bengali was that he is basically a Hindu who just happens to be a Muslim. If the Bengali was a Muslim then why would he use the language, the script of the Hindu? This is uh, from the West Pakistan's mind and so the territory is ours, the mullahs are ours, but the ordinary people are Indian agents, not even Indian agents, Hindus and they should be eliminated. Mr. Bhutto flew back from Dhaka, landed in Karachi and his words were, thank God Pakistan has been saved. People call this man brilliant and articulate. He was a fascist. He was a dictator. But when he returned, I was at the Karachi airport. He landed there. His political, uh, pol political leaders or People's Party political leaders were there. Ola Musawakhar was there. Abdul Sattar Pizada was there. Muntaz Bhutto was there. And Bhutto came out and addressed to the newspaper people like me, uh, we were gathered over there and he said, it's the God help that East Pakistan has been saved. We were baffled. We never knew that what he's talking about, how the East Pakistan has been saved because the military operation has started or was going to start this much we knew because the arm of Pakistan army was uh, being sent through Karachi airport, uh, from Karachi airport to East Pakistan and we were, we were fully aware that something very bad is going to happen. On those days, Tariq Fatah was a student in Karachi University in West Pakistan. I was there on March 25th when in the Karachi University hostel, people were celebrating, uh, Punjabis were dancing around that we screwed them. I remember one the whole crowd action. It's a sarcastic. Let's see your democracy. Correct. We have the army, you have the votes. Who will win? This was the attitude. And there were a lot of uh, Awami League and uh, EPSU supporters, uh, National Party from Professor Muzaffar group. There were students who were my close friends. So I saw the tragedy and the triumph in the same uh, coastal sections. After military operations, 
Bengalis in Pakistan army and police revolted. Many students and villagers joined them for military training. Many more crossed the border to India for organized training. Soon they returned to East Pakistan with the light weapons to fight Pakistani soldiers. We had really a big cultural conflict with the with the Pakistani's thought process or cultural practice. Um, you see, the Bengalis for hundreds of years they're much liberal, not like uh, hardcore Punjabis or Pakistani Muslims. Um, we had Durga Puja, uh, Eid side by side. These kind of festivals. We dress. We wear saris. We wear bindis. Maybe Muslims, but Many hundreds of them were bindis and saris and all this. They didn't understand. They declare that wearing sari means Hindu, not speaking speaking Bangla means Hindu. That kind of a concept they had, and so uh, so they they uh, they come to a conclusion that uh, killing kafirs has no makes no no difference and that kind of very low mentality. Uh, and Tika Khan, for a general Tika Khan, was brought in for six weeks. He is a he was Kadian, He attacked Kadiani in his Pakistan, West Pakistan, and declared Kadianis not Muslims, not good Muslim or not Muslim at all. That kind of operation he has done. So, Tika Khan was came in six six weeks, and in the first day uh, on 25th March 1950, uh, 1971, I was I was living with my mother. And uh, our place were attacked. Uh, I was I, my mother was in charge of a girls' hostel, university girls' hostel. The, the armored car get inside, killed all the fourth class employees there. The girls were, there were only eight eight girls were there. Uh, female students were there. Uh, they protected themselves, and me and mother were shot. Very second day, we were standing in veranda, and they keep telling us, "Open the door, open the door." We went outside to see, and immediately they shot with machine gun. We survived. Our wall and grill of the window and all gone at that time, at that point, but we survived. Now, let me see the, show you the last clip, then we can talk. Uh, it's about the, about the election, finally what happens, and what the president's so-called former president of Pakistan was saying about the army operation in East Pakistan. Pakistan army was killing civilians. They targeted political leaders and members of Hindu families. They systematically raped their women and burned their houses. To avoid death, many people crossed the border to India. By November 1971, there were about 10 million refugees in India from East Pakistan. But the president of Pakistan, General Yahya Khan, was in complete denial. And these people who you saw were not refugees from East Pakistan. I can arrange a lot of uh, influx of refugees into Pakistan. If you'd like to come with me to East Pakistan, I'll show you how they're coming from India. But they're not coming in. Nor are my refugees going back to India. Yeah, Khan Kumani ka mene ka ji, dhaka fall ho gaya hai. Iska matlab ye to nahi hai na ji, ki ab Pakistan ladai khatam ho gayi hai. Phir to ye to all out war hai. Dhaka is a part of my country. East Pakistan is half my country, you know. Ye kaise ho sakta hai ji? पता है मुझे क्या जवाब मिला जी इज इन सपोर्ट ऑफ वर्चुअल मुझे यार छोड़ो यार 
ایک کالے سارے کالے بنگالیوں کی خاطر ہم ویش پاکستان کو خطرے میں ڈال دیں There is no literature available. I have been searching. I have not found. How did he spend the last two or three years of life? You know, what did he do? What did he think? Did he write anything? Because he must have died with a very guilty and heavy heart. Yeah, Imran Khan and others who, who uh, pre- two other presidents, they said that we used to discriminate against them. We army gave the election after election. We are the people who give the election, result came out, we kill them. So that kind of things, and, and, that's, a, that, and that's why we lost East Pakistan. It is said that Kissinger, Henry Kissinger of USA said that, oh, Bangladesh is a basket case because they wanted their relations with Pakistan to be maintained because Pakistan was kind of an interlocutor between USA and China. So the moralistic ground that USA has had after that in every country, you know, whether it is Iran or Afghanistan or Vietnam, wherever they want to go as the moral police, I think they lost the right way back in 1971 not only a basket, it's a bottomless bad basket. That was his way of saying it, right? Because uh, they were supporting Pakistan just because Soviet Union moved uh, to support India. That was the whole idea. And then that time, nuclear warhead was set up in Europe. NATO was active against Soviet. So he was thinking in, in a large, uh, large term, in, in a bigger picture. And also, at that point, they were trying to break Soviet bloc by connecting with China. So during 71, Kissinger went to China and met Chinese Chinese team there. So it all pressurized Indira Gandhi and her team and to prove that this is a very uh, unnecessary war and the refugees are here. And India at that time, like India now is very well off, but that time in India was not that rich and they have to accommodate 10 million, 10 million Bengalis with food and not only for the younger people, they asked them to go to Daradun and other places for training and Agartala areas. So quick training, provided them weapons, bullets and all this stuff to go inside to, to, to do the war. So in apparently, if you see at that time, people didn't know that Pakistan largest earning is from East Pakistan. And it was a low profile. Uh, for example, I am in Canada now. I, I see Pakistanis and Indian came as immigrant in, in, in 60s and 50s. East Pakistani people never get a chance to go to, go to Canada at that time. It was blocked. It was all done by Islamabad. And then discrimination was systematic very systematic discrimination. Well, see, what happens is, if you're, although Bangladesh is doing much better than Pakistan now, economically, job-wise, per capita income is almost double of Pakistan, and it will go, go grow more. Uh, we have the largest uh, industry, we have the largest, or 50 million women work in garments industry, second largest uh, in garments industry in the world. But, but that time, they didn't predict that can happen. 
And Kissinger being a very right-wing conservative leader, uh, Republican, he did, the, he, did the, he did the same thing. So he's a part of the game, part of the, part of the uh, you know, they, they were, he was trying to, uh, uh, and it, it has been proven that it is not a basket, it is not a, <laughs> yeah, it's not a uh, bottomless basket. So assumptions were good, bad, wrong by the, by the United States at that time. They gave uh, veto. Three times they gave veto, veto against Bangladesh entry to UN. And they didn't give, China gave vetoes to stop Bangladesh. So they were so desperate. It is because of Soviet Union. And in fact, Soviet Union sent their ships in Bay of Bengal uh, when the Seventh Fleet moved into East Pakistan. So they blocked the area with uh, uh, Soviet ships and planes. So they moved out. So it was the it was their anger was against Soviet Union and India. Bangladesh's GDP and economic situation is better than both Pakistan and India. And how do you think Bangladesh has achieved that despite population density of population? I think I think that it is because of the uh, uh, to me, for example, from nowhere now you have skilled laborers. And about 95% garment workers are female. And their age is around 30, 35 years old. So they have more, many more years to go. Uh, textile has, textile we import. Then they start building ships. Then the, the other thing is that you have to understand one thing that when you have military rule, or uh, uh, then it is, you cannot make any decisions are made by few people and they control the whole economy and all. But, and there was like 80s, Bangladesh had NGOs, popped up many NGOs. Women empowerment is a big issue for NGOs. Uh, child protection was a big issue for women. Death of women out delivery was a big issue. So what happened is uh, we got a healthier female power force in Bangladesh. And Bengal is normally obedient, normally obedient, normally loyal. They had no chance. Uh, except the, that uh, during uh, Pakistan period, harassment, insult, rape, this was the experience. But the moment it became independent, then it worked very well. And the unfortunate fact of Bangladesh and Bengalis are they were never independent, historically never independent. Either it was under the British or the Mughals, uh, who are never, none of them are Bengalis. They're Muslims, but they were not Bengalis. But the funny part is, East Bengal and West Bengal, the Muslims was capital was Murshidabad, which is in West Bengal. And they were not Sunni Muslims, they were Shia Muslims. And uh, Mughals were Shia. But anyways, they were not Bengalis, they were Urdu-speaking uh, Muslims. So the first time they got independent and they're trying, I think it will improve now. Yesterday I spoke, I, I do a talk show, Bangladesh 50, Bangladesh Ponchash. I, we had uh, the Japanese ambassador came and he said, Mitsubishi is very much interested to set up a factory here, manufacturing factory. So uh, their economic zones are built up by the government. The country is very small, you see, and uh, population is very big. So you cannot build factories and things anywhere. So economic zones are built where gas, electricity will be provided by the government. And in this zone, in these areas, Foreign investors are interested. Maybe 
these people need training to become a good good labor, good skill worker. So Japanese were saying that we feel they're putting in a lot of money. Chinese and India is in competition with the Bangladesh market, but Chinese products are cheaper, so they get in easily. Um, and you will be surprised to know that there is Sri Lankan and Indians. India, we have many companies in Bangladesh where CEOs are apparently Indians. And remittance that come out of Bangladesh by the Indian, the second largest after Saudi Arabia. So we 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 often meet uh, uh, Indians working in different garments industry and all, not in television but other industries. So it is kind of in this phase what we Bangladesh need is investment and skill skill person to push it to go at, at some place somewhere. My question is just after the independence uh, before. Uh, uh, Sheikh Hasina came uh, in Bangladesh, uh, the events, it's my personal belief, events led me be to believe that, uh, you know, uh, that there's a lack of sense of gratitude towards the people of Bangladesh, uh, from the people of Bangladesh towards India, that, okay, the country which helped us, uh, you know, in liberation. Uh, and uh, then... I remember when General Irshad was there uh, as a dictator of uh, Bangladesh, I was a kid, or probably 10th, 12th class. So at that time, uh, there were many uh, conflicts between India and, uh, and Bangladesh. So, uh, and uh, I had a classmate uh, from Khulna during my postgraduate uh, this thing. And whenever I used to talk to him, I clearly felt that uh, oh, India, okay, whatever they did, they did it for their own political goals and their own political ends. So I, I really still fail to understand that lack of sense of gratitude. I mean, that's right. that's what I wanted to understand. You see, the you're talking about General Ishad. General Ishad was in East Pakistan when the army crackdown happened. Then he uh, ran away to West Pakistan. Uh, he was disarmed, disarmed because as a Bengali, he was disarmed by the Pakistan army. Then he went to Pakistan and stayed Pakistan. And 1974, he returned. Ishad's one thing he did was declare in the parliament because democracy didn't work when the military ruler is in power. He came to power after assassination of Zia. So it's an absolute, he had absolute power. And democratic system didn't work. So he declared Islam is the main, it is not Islamic state, but Islam is the main religion of the country. So that's what he did. And uh, once you put, like, Islam is the main religious, no government can remove this. Because once you establish that, it is very hard to remove such sentimental things. So it is still there. But previously, it was nothing like that. It was like secular. It was a secular uh, by, by the parliament had declared when the Bangladesh became independent, a secular country. But secularism died when he introduced with his, with his control parliament, Islam is a uh, uh, main religion. It's a main, main, main religion of the of the country. So another thing is that 
I lived in Canada. I know USA is a very big power in next to. So Canadians, when they see Americans coming in with money and business, although Canada has most most of the factories and all this owned by the Americans. Uh, so when you when you leave neighbor, a big neighbor next to you, you will always feel threatened. Look at Nepal, look at Bangladesh. But, but the Hasina government uh, has done a lot uh, on, in, in matter of the, against the communal feelings. Communal, communal policies is a politics. You can play with communalism, you can play with religion and try to gain power. So we have the other political parties in the country who is always go on the platform with anti-Indian slogans, anti-Indian statements to get popularity. And ordinary people are very, you know, in India, Bangladesh, everywhere, they're very, very straightforward, they don't understand. So they play with religion and they play with communal feelings to get gain. But I think the, you know, the, the present government, which is in power for now 13, 14 years, uh, are, are very much aware of this and very much uh, vocal about it, that we cannot play games with this, okay? And, but very hard because uh, it has, it has uh, you know, sentiment like you have Hindutva, uh, Hindu Raj or whatever. It is very easy. Uh, like I, I can give you an example. Bengalis, Bengali, Sheikh Mujib Rahman said, we are Bengali first, Bengali nationalism. Nationalism works, and every Bengali supported him. Almost every Bengali supported, except Jamaat Islami, supported him for the cause of Bangladesh. Anything like that, if you can play with religion, you can get that send of sentiments. So we will have this problem, but we have to fight with this problem continuously. And and working class, the women who work in the factories, and they don't care. Whether you're English, uh, whether you're Christian, Buddhist, or Muslim, or Hindu, they just went there to work and get some money. And Bangladesh is making progress based on their contribution, not on the on the fanatics who are giving slogans and they don't contribute anything to the country. So eventually, when and plus, I, as I said, if 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 more business comes in, like German, Japan, saying we have open factories and all, it will automatically change. People earn money, spend money when they have power to spend money, especially uh, lower class, when they will have money to spend, they don't bother whether you're coming with your slogan or whatever religious slogan. I think, I think it's a matter of time that country will become more uh, uh, liberal, but this game with play with religion will be there. India will have it, we will have it. So we have continuously worked on that field. Uh, with the liberal slogans, I try to understand the humanity comes first, money, family comes first, gender issue comes first, child protection comes first. So these kind of thing has to happen. So it will happen, I'm sure. And I think you have just answered the next question because the next question was, when the creation of Bangladesh was on basis of Bangla culture, then what happened after independence that the minority population constantly reduced in Bangladesh? So again, I think he's pointing towards the reduced population of Hindu Hindus in Bangladesh after independence. See, uh, when I was in Delhi, I went, I saw 
lot of Bengalis were in Jamuna, Jamuna area. And then there's some other areas I've noticed Bengali Muslims there. And I said, what do you do in, in, in Delhi area? So I said, what are you guys doing here? They said, we are working, we try to get a ration card, Indian ration card. So we will have all kind of advantage. I said, ration card, why? They were, they're economic, economic, you know, refugees, not, not religious or political refugees. But then as Bangladesh is making progress, as the Bangladesh is le less, less number of people would like to go. But many Hindu friends we have here, half of their family lives in Calcutta. They go back and forth, but they have business here. They have a job here. So they stay in Bangladesh, but often go, it's common. We commonly see uh, Bengali Hindus from, I mean, in, not Hindus, they're Indian citizen, Bengali Hindu Indian citizen, they visit here. And uh, this communication between West Bengal and East Bengal is very high. If someone is getting married, they go to uh, new market in Calcutta to buy, buy their clothes for the marriage. Unless we make good clothes, they will go. There are fields like medical treatment. In medical treatment, people go because some, some people think that medical service in India or Calcutta is cheaper than Bangladesh or better service. So this communication will back and forth will go. That makes you exposure to different culture. Plus you have many Bengali students in high school, in college, university studying in. So when they return to Bangladesh, they have different perspective, life. So these, I'm not saying the culture, but this back and forth culture will Im improve. I think in long run, Bangladesh will benefit by this exposure. You know, uh, I hope so, because there are a lot of people coming in. Uh, they finish their schooling on time, university, no jam. They finish on time, they come back. And uh, they, they, they represent different perspective of life, much open. I mean, because of exposure, right? You know, I lived in Canada. I know exactly how it works. So it, it, if the Hasina, Hasina type leadership stays, I guess then, then uh, the, the exposure and activities will increase and things will improve. That's what I believe. I just have uh, an observation to make and then I'll come to the question. The religion angle and there's more uh, sort of uh, more of a strident Islam, if, if I may say, in, in Bangladesh, which came in and you feel that it's sort of receding and your uh, comparison with Hindutva. Uh, so I have a little bit of an objection to that. I really don't think that that's uh, quite a fair comparison in, in terms of uh, question was about uh, Mukti Bahini and the role of Mukti Bahini. What happened after independence? and so on. And the second question is, what is your opinion about the status of affairs with regard to religiosity in Bangladesh? Because uh, it is known to have uh, terror organizations as well. And that is grown. Do you feel that unlike earlier where the culture of Bangla was strong, like, you know, the Bangla Bengali culture, the Bengali feeling, there is a certain influence which is coming in a certain Wahhabiization, a certain sort of, you know, do you feel that that is happening? For first, first of all, you have one. You had observation, Hindutva. Um, uh, I like to know if you could explain to me the 
uh, you know, what, what is the difference? Actually, because you remember uh, any kind of like uh, Donald Trump, America first, USA. He was, he was slogan was that, but it doesn't, it didn't work in the educated society, in educated country, they voted. But then Trump got a lot of votes. Any kind of nationalist feelings, it can be based on, uh, uh, you know, like Hitler said something, they're the supreme people in the world, so they have to capture the world. Okay, fine. And he did, and he didn't, he didn't actually, he tried. So uh, Sheikh Mujibur Rahman Bangabundu said that we are the Bengalis. We must, we must respect ourselves first. We must learn ourselves and we stand together against Pakistani, uh, this oppression. So the Bengali nation standing is with him. Okay. So any kind of, uh, to me, any kind of, uh, nationalistic feeling. It can be based on religion or non-religion, or it can be regional. It works. Uh, if, if, for example, Asham says we are Ashamis, nobody can come outside Asham or Kashmiris or whatever, or or your Punjabis. You know, I mean, it it it, it systematically works in some people's mind, not everybody's mind, but some people's mind, and you can take advantage of that. So, first of all, you just, in short, tell me the Hindutva is different, uh, how it is different than Islamic, uh, Islamic uh, yeah, fanatism in, in Bangladesh or whatever. Kind yeah, I, I mean, it, it is a matter of perception. Islam is a world religion. That's uh, one thing. And the nation was divided on the demand uh, of Muslims. India, right? This is all part of India. So, if there was no Bangladesh, it would be Bengal. Right, and you know about the violence in the in the run up to in, in British India before before everything else happened. Right, so we don't need to go uh, down that route. If Hindutva, I'll just give you a simple example. Let's not even talk India. Right, if Hindu or being a Hindu country is such a bad thing, then nobody would have traveled to Nepal, which was Hindu country for the longest ever time. Sir, for the longest ever time, it was Hindu. I remember when we visited when it was a Hindu country, you could get alcohol in supermarkets. I mean, that's how free it is. So I think it is unfair to compare global religions with uh, Hinduism, which is actually a very free, free running um, civilization. It believes in total freedom for everybody. There is no way that, you know, a Hindu will ever say that I don't practice your religion because it's like, because we don't have anything against anybody written anyway, neither in our prayers nor in our philosophy. So that is the reason why I do find it. But to make that comparison of like, oh, Hindutva is the same as this is actually wrong because Bangladesh is actually home to terrorist organizations as well. Coming to that, we must say that Sheikh Hasina's government is doing a very good job in, in quelling it and keeping it under control. I do commend and we all do appreciate her uh, very good efforts. I think it was in 2016 that there was a very bad attack in Dhaka in that uh, very elite cafe in which people were shot down you know, including liberal people, including, I remember reading, and this is for anyone who has forgotten or doesn't know uh, among the participants, a lady who refused to, the gunman actually told, the terrorist told her, cover your hair. And she was a liberal woman, less like what you were talking about, right? Liberal woman. She said, I'm not covering my hair. I'm not covering my hair. She got shot dead. So that was the quality of people who died. But to credit of Sheikh Hasina's government, they got justice done in record time. I think if I'm not wrong, last year, the, the, the terrorists were um, executed. I mean, they don't waste any time. They don't go through a long court process, yebo, you know, nothing like that. They just get it done. So that is where I'm giving a big tick. I'm not saying that 
No, but the fact is that it does exist. There are terror organizations. There is a growing sort of um, an orthodoxy which is coming in as well. But what do you think is happening at the ground level? Because often it's not among the elite that this process happens. Even like we can see in Turkey, it's not among the elite. It is actually way below. And that can change things. When demographics, it starts getting... Let's go to the second one, okay? Be diplomatic, okay. Freedom fighters, who call Mukti Bahini, uh, they, they returned, many of them were students, and many of them got into army, navy. Yeah, the army recruited armed force, <clears throat> and they were given commission. Only one batch in India, the first, uh, first batch of Bangladesh army was, uh, was uh, graduated in India. Rest were, rest of Mukti Bahinis joined paramilitary group and uh, then some of the army, then they got into business. Many of them returned to school, colleges, in university level. And they, they become normal students. My, my friends are there who are teacher now, but they were all commissioned Mukti Bahaini, uh, who fought against the Pakistan army and all this. Uh, <clears throat> but when you have a civil war, your brain become <laughs> damaged to a degree you know like when you have weapons because weapons a uniform or no uniform weapons gives you power so when the sheikh mujibur rahman came to power it was very hard to collect all the weapons from the from the different political parties there was big political parties went against him <coughs> the the student league the army league's student wing on the name of slogan of socialism progressive politics they moved out and they refused to submit many of them refused to submit the uh, weapons and you, you may remember in 60s and early 70s the Nakshalites movement the Nakshal, Nakshalites movement they refused to submit the weapons so they hold the weapons and you may also remember that Indian armed force left Bangladesh within three months that is a rare rare uh, example for the world Indira Gandhi promised that once you Mujib returns, our armed force will give him the last salute and return from Bangladesh. That is a, because otherwise they become occupied, occupied, occupied army of Bangladesh. So they all returned. With them, they took 93,000 Pakistani soldiers to India. These soldiers stayed in India for three years as POW. So, you know, I mean, uh, and that was the part of the history, but what happens is, at the moment, you know what? Yes, you are right. It's a it's an international religion. It's a no, not a localized uh, like India has Hindus. Then Islam is all over the place, spread all over the places, and politics happens in Syria. Politics happens in oil fields, oil capturing oil fields, fighting with for the oil fields. All this stuff affects. And sometimes West also create, uh, uh, you know, the, some uh, fanatics and uh, and you see the these. Anyways, all this Libya, um, uh, Egypt, and Syria, uh, all these countries, whatever happens there, it has a effect on Bangladesh Muslims to a degree, younger generation. But then. Inside the in the ground level, uh, general people, villagers are very religious. They go 
to mosque regularly. They go to mandir regularly. So they're kind of, and there what you're teaching is important. The government has to make sure this stays within the limit of Islamic discussion, religious discussion. Sometimes that platform is used by the, some groups to spread hatred, spread religious terrorism. And then you have also uh, Islamic schools, madrasas. So some of the madrasas, not all the madrasas, there are some madrasas, there are teachers like that. There are students like that. And present government sometimes faces the problem with the young madrasa student, age 13, 14, they all come out in the street. And, 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 and their number is very high. So this system needs to be addressed eventually. That madrasa needs students need to learn, for example, science, technology, English, Bengali, and all this stuff. <clears throat> They're doing it now. Prime, Prime Minister has tried to give them money and open up school teachers and others so that they can, they, it can be modified. And so systematically, if, you, if you're talking to mosques, imams in the mosque, uh, call them for workshop discussions, that is government is doing. Madrasha education, updating madrasha education with English, Bengali, science, physics, chemistry, government is trying. So in, it has to work on that level to make some changes in attitudes and understanding, which is not easy. So uh, it's, it's uh, and plus one advantage we have being Bengalis. Uh, we are not, we are not, we are very hard to become a fanatic. We, we, we it, it is a tradition, it's a culture. You have to see our speaker is a woman, our opposition leader is a woman, our prime minister is a woman. Tolerance is a, it's not Durga Puja, but it is a, it is kind of a culture. It's a culture in the world where you don't see this. You don't see this. Of course, uh, all of South Asia is like that. Uh, you know, devis are female devis. In other religions, you don't have that. No female has that position in any other religion, but Hindus has. I'm not saying that it has to do with anything to do with our prime minister or our uh, you know, opposition leader or the... So it's, it's a culture where we have tolerance for women and tolerance for other religions. We grew up, and if you see... Um, the, the Eid festivals happen. So many Hindu families comes and enjoy food during the uh, uh, you know Eid. Similarly, the puja puja mondo we call in Bengali are full with people. Funny thing is in 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 Toronto I went to see because during Durga Puja they bring artists from India. A lot of artists comes from India. Half of the women sitting their hijabis. In, in Durga, in Puja Mondo, half of the women are sitting with hijab. And I know, and rest is, there, there are people, but it, it is the funny mixing. And we have that tolerance. So if the leadership is good in a ground level or in the middle class, upper middle class level, and as I said before, education and business activities increases, there will be downfall of these kind of sentimental things. I mean, advantage of taking advantage of religions. This will grow down in Bangladesh. That's what I, I, I think that's what my observation is.
sir, you said that Bengalis were culturally more inclined to Indians by extension, I would say Hindus rather than the Urdu speaking Pakistanis. I'm quoting you there. But the hatred for the Hindu, I think, started way before 1971. The massive scale violence, firstly, we saw against the Hindus uh, or your own fellow Indians was called upon by the political head of the time in Bengal, Hussein Shahid Sorvardi. My point is, this insertion of religious hatred into the masses started at the time of Direct Action Day, 16th August 1946, while the masses were instigated against jihad, against uh, they were instigated for jihad against Hindus by Suharavardi, that is brilliantly quoted by Swedish political scientist Ishtiak Ahmed in his recent book on Jinnah. So I would like your comment on the fact that did the war of 1971 solve the issue of discrimination, genocide, violence in Bangladesh? Because even after 71, there has been a systematic persecution of Bengali-speaking Hindus in Bangladesh. And does the Bengali-speaking Muslims in Bangladesh even consider the fact that the victims of the past have now become victimizers? Your comments, sir. Yeah, I think, well, uh, direct action is is something that uh, you see I, let me explain this very simply up i mean the and the pakistan proposal 1940 was proposed by shere bangla bengali leader that that there will be states not state states in india where the muslim population is higher there will be independent muslim country so everybody consider the Bengal will be a country, a uh, Muslim country, because if you if you now even today, if you look at Ni Bengal, 19, East Bengal and West Bengal, is about 60% population of jointly is Muslim population in Bengal. West Bengal has a lot of Muslim population. East Bengal is a lot of Muslims, of course. So it is about 60 over 60% population of Bengal is still Muslim. Now let me tell you explain this. UP had Muslims, Bihar had Muslims population. And, and then you had this Sin, Baluchistan, Pakistan, and that end hardly any Hindu population. So in Bengal from 19, I think 19, um, 20, 28 or something. Okay, let me explain a little bit more. Uh, Bengal, India, capital of all India was Calcutta in 19, 1911. Then it moved to Delhi. In 1911, 1905, All India Muslim League was formed in Dhaka by the Nawab of Dhaka. These Nawab families, they were actually Kashmiri Muslims. In 1857 revolt, these businessmen, the Kashmiri businessmen supported British. So they were given Nawabi at that time. And they were based in Dhaka. They had land across East Bengal. So these Nawabs formed All India Muslim League in 1905. And then it starts spreading. All India Muslim League uh, become a party and All India Congress has uh, become a party. All India Congress ever exists there before Muslim League was formed. But that time, a lot of people, a lot of Muslims used to be member of Congress, including Muhammad Ali Jinnah, who was a Central Committee member of Congress. But 
only state in India where the Muslims community was able to form government was Bengal. Shere Bangla, the Bengali leader who formed the government in East Bengal, in joint Bengal, he was voted by Hindu and Muslim jointly. He was against Muslim League. He was against Congress. He has his own party, uh, kind of a labor party type where he, he talked about rights for the patient, workers and farmers and all. And he was voted in three times, two times, three, two times by the, by the Hindu Muslim jointly. At that point, Muslim League was not that powerful. But the communal tension built up when, when, when the, his, his, his second term, he formed coalition government with the Muslim League. Middle of it, Jinnah, Muhammad Ali Jinnah advisors withdraw their support. So he formed, he, he government collapsed. He joined Shama Prashad, who was a father of BJP, who was the main person a concept of Hindutva was came from Shama Prashad. He joined hand with Shama Prashad and formed the government in Bengal. So he was marked later on by Muslim Muslim League as a, a collaborator of Hindus. So he finally lost his support among the uh, workers and others, uh, farmers, because the communal riot, communal politics starts developed. The Muslim League, according to According to history, Muslim League was thinking East Bengal and Asham will be a country, or all of Bengal and Asham will be a country which will be a Muslim country. But uh, Nehru, uh, Mr. Nehru and Mr. Patel, and the and the um, the Lord Barn Battle decided to keep Calcutta in India because that's a very big important part and they declared east only east bengal as a uh, as a muslim country and uh, Sar sarwadi suggested this small section east Park, east bengal should join pakistan and become one country that proposal came from sarwadi in 1960 when this uh, uh, in a book Sheikh Mujibur Rahman wrote, in 46, only in 46 we came to know that 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 we will get only East, East Bengal, not the whole Bengal. We know the decision has been made by the British in collaboration with the uh, with the with the with the Congress Party. Now they said that uh, he then happens to be that time Muslim League was in power. Sarwardi was in in who whose politics was based on communal, communal policy. He based on anti-hating uh, Hindus, but basically his politics. So in 1964, he called for direct action. 20,000 people died in one day in Calcutta. People have never seen anything like this before. Uh, and because he, he, was, he was in charge of the event, he was the chief minister of West Bengal, uh, he he sent out people and the killing happened. And after that, uh, one year later, it has become East Pakistan. So the Sheikh Mujibur Rahman, for example, he was in, in Calcutta. Whole life he was in Calcutta. 
he was doing politics there and shere bangla sarwardi they they didn't accept the concept of east pakistan as a country so they came two years later shere bangla who was the prominent leader of bengali history who stayed in calcutta then came back and formed the government and after forming the government he went to karachi for a meeting he went to calcutta in calcutta he declared that our heart is here in calcutta our body is in 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 east pakistan and his one on his return he was the chief minister of east pakistan that time his government collapsed by the pakistan government pakistan central central committee central central body so his his government collapse only lasted for two less than two years so that kind of sentiments people staying he used to practice in dhaka high court and lived in calcutta it happened at the beginning so peep for people in bengal is very hard to understand what is happening why we we are into this trouble we are in this strange arrangement so it it this confusion continued continued for a while but pakistan is helped by hating us killing us attacking us so mobilize the whole thing under the nationalistic feeling in east in east pakistan in east east bengal east pakistan so i am saying from the beginning not only the 1920s 1930s the communal politics whether you call it british divide and rule i don't know but it was ingrained in our head in our brain and it is still there it is still there it still kind of a, we maintain we our language is same we eat the same food we all fish eater rice eater people but there is a difference that uh, it has been created in our mind that will last long but diversified situation we have to be united i think the government what is trying now i agree with you that people the hindu population feel much secure as i said before their family members still live in calcutta dhaka there are many many of my friends in in uh, in hindu families half of there half is there too so it is we have accepted that that because uh, because of sudden division families just moved and and in fact they they, they went to india and job wise financially they were they're doing very well so this this communication between east and west will continue at the same time there will be a, a simultaneously the communal issues has to be addressed it will not go away it will not go away there's no way hasina government can try but but as i said before the ground level it has to work it has to start working to bring changes among the and as i said the government is trying talking to uh and we have very powerful uh hindu muslim hindu hindu christian buddhist buddhist organization who always uh, very uh, openly talks about the problems that they are facing it is it can be communal it can be you know political they are vocal and the government responds to that high court responds to their uh their complaints judge court responds to complaints so it is system has to be on place overnight nothing will go away nothing will go away it has been ingrained from 20s and and some people will 
make political parties based on communal feelings. That will be there. But it has to be phased politically. It has to be phased education level. And you know, like uh, our, our syllabus are much more, uh, much more liberal now. They talked about Hindu religious, Hindu events, Muslim events, Muslim religious. So when people learn all this, hopefully things will improve. But there are some, as I said before, the Muslims have seen Muslims working in, in Delhi. They are not, they are not refugees. They are not, they're economic refugees, but they're uh, rushing to India will reduce now because the situation has improved in Bangladesh. Uh, and Hindus feel comfortable. Bengali Hindus feel very comfortable in West Bengal, I think. But I don't know whether they live in the villages. See, there are certain po pockets where more, many Bengali Hindus are living beside Calcutta. And because they, they, are, they are other people are there already. So this migration process working working out. So we have to accept all this and then do, do the planning. You remember one thing, every house, everywhere, you, you have Hindi movies. <laughs> it's, it's a tremendous impact on, on, uh, on, on telephone and everywhere. So, uh, you know, like uh, uh, audience, there is an audience, large audience has been built in Bangladesh watching. And there are kids who speak Hindi because they continuously speaking, seeing Hindi movies and all. So sky is open. You cannot, you cannot stop the, uh, you know, internet and also it is, it, it's a mixing happening. And I hope that uh, this internet has, will be used for good purposes, but um, you cannot stop communication and you cannot hide anything. <laughs> it will be there. So, uh, you know, it's not only uh, uh, India, even Bangladesh has Turkish movies, Turkish drama, Hindi movies, Hindi drama. People are continuously. Bangladesh uh, watches a lot of daily soap, Indian daily soap every day, which is based on Calcutta or West Bengal, you know. So, I, I don't know, it's not your question or answer, but I'm saying that, that it, it, it is open open sky, watching movies, watching every day, daily soap, Bengali daily soap from Calcutta, things will change automatically.